but I thought last week was really a good episode. The uh, episode we did on uh, what was it? <laughs> oh, the episode we were covering Kodachrome. <laughs> we this is not my face just blank. Uh, like just off the railroad i was off into fairyland i don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> but i could not think of the damn uh, name of that life, movie <laughs> you could have been holding a gun to my head and told me what, what podcast we did last week i would not remember <laughs> just shoot me i'm what not gonna today? remember <laughs> well, yesterday exactly. was uh so funny thing we were supposed to film yesterday or film yeah yeah film the day before yesterday it turns out the day before yesterday was halloween so <laughs> right yeah and i yeah i think last week that was really good the the kodachrome mm-hmm. podcast really good movie we, well i think also yeah. it helps when you pick Very a good, good movie. movie so that you have something to talk about right so i'm also editing uh an evening with beverly left lynn right now and oh, which a, will be coming uh, out soon that was, uh, it was that fun was, though that it was, was a it was very like, fun it, movie i loved both those was, actors yeah it was quirky. Yes. And so when you when you have quirky, it's a little bit harder to find something to because you're not as like engaged, right? It's mm-hmm. like harder to mm-hmm. find like meaning and passion behind things. But I think we also did good this week though because we are talking about Ghosts of War. Yeah. Again on Netflix, but the caveat on this one is that it is only available until the 14th of November. So yes, it is pretty much leaving when this very comes soon. out. You need to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. get it. Uh, we I highly write well. You'll see what we uh, say towards the end of it, but, you know, 14th. What's going on, guys? And welcome to this episode of Uncovered Cinema. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. And this week, we are going to be covering Ghosts of War. Yes. I I don't know what you think about it, but I don't know why you made me watch this movie. <laughs> it was it was good, but if you go back and do our previous episodes and you, and you look at our episode about post-traumatic stress and ptsd like it was just one big trigger for Mm -hmm. me and i imagine for you because you actually were in these countries where these uh soldiers and and you have a very close attachment to it because you could interchange you with literally one of the any one of the characters in the movie and and it's and it's 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 your your yeah perspective it's your it's your life really that's so i i'm i'm curious as to why you picked this movie for us to watch and relive <laughs> well, traumas. Um, i the first time i watched it i was very upset with the movie i didn't really care for it too much um because i took what they're saying as a uh a naive approach to people with ptsd um but after re-watching it I did get to see a lot more of the um, the nuances that kind of changed my mind and kind of reinforced my opinion at the same time. But I wanted to see if I was the only one that had these opinions about it or if other people watch it had the same uh, opinions I did. And we'll get into that, you know, further along in this episode. But yeah, absolutely. Well, it's definitely an interesting one for yeah. us to tear apart. Uh, and, but what do we got going on in the news this week? Oh, man, we have some interesting stuff in the news. Some bad news for uh, you Witcher fans out there. 
Uh, Henry Cavill, as you guys know, Mr. Superman himself, also uh, Geralt of Rivia, and many, many other hats, uh, is hanging up his uh, wolf medallion and his swords, unfortunately, for season four. Season three is still going to come out with him. He's still going to be Geralt, but uh, season four... Oh, this is not good. (laughs) Um, But season four... Contingency error. Contingency error. But season four is not going to have him. He is actually going to be giving the role over to uh, Liam Hemsworth. uh, Liam Hemsworth. Uh, Which, I mean, eh, that's okay, but... Taken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No, 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 no. no. Not not taken, guy. He's... No, um, no, no. That's Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liam Hensworth, he's the um, kid from, um, what the hell is that movie with the the girl with the the bow and arrow, and she's from all those different uh, areas, and they have the Hunger Games. He's the love interest oh, from Hunger yeah, Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's a good looking character as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's Are a, he's a good looking character. Place, it's going to be the same literally just to swap out the yeah. same character but so it's person? it's going to be the same character just a different person right so do, are you seeing a trend of like a lot of big movie stars are doing like smaller niche tv shows now yeah like i feel like i'm seeing yeah well i think it's um i think it's more of a like passing of the torch type of thing like there's going to be a whole new wave uh-huh. of like popular actors based off this new generation and it's kind of like the old actors that haven't really had a major role in a long time are now getting their name thrown back out there because they're leading a tv show here or doing something you know a small little project there yeah yeah i feel like that that's becoming like the the new big thing to do is like the big actors are going to smaller roles Mm -hmm. and even like uh anthony hopkins i think just did like basically like a, a independent yeah independent movie mm-hmm. uh the amsterdam one like you see that getting ready to come out it's like you don't see yeah uh, popular names or anything but it's like big actors are in that one mm-hmm. and uh it's relatively like on you see very little advertising and stuff going so you know it's not coming out of like a major studio and the content the style of like the movie you can tell is just very it's independent feel so I'm I'm seeing a lot more of that happening nowadays. Maybe the uh, actors are getting tired of working with the bigger studios. Maybe they want to work with people that are a little bit more, uh, yeah, down to earth and about the film itself and not about the profits the film is going to make. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, just assumptions. That's just you know, assuming. I think that's true. And I, what do you consider famous nowadays? Like, how do you since there's so much out there? It's yeah. like how do you. Who, how it's do you hard. actually say like I've made it? You know, is it is it because you made it on a streaming platform, Paramount Plus or something, or does that mean you've you're a star now? I, right? I don't know. It's, I, it's 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 hard because or is it your Twitter following? Right? Because I mean, like some people's <laughs> news shows on YouTube get more views than the major news shows uh, that are put out by these big corporations. Same with some. Um, youtubers channels and stuff they get more views than some of these new movies coming out so it's like what do you consider like famous you know right yeah you know and- yeah that's that's a good point because i was i was watching a a thing on youtube and they're saying like uh the mr beast channel is one of like the most popular 
YouTube channels that exists on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of them. There's offshoots of like, you know, the Spanish ones and gaming ones. Yeah. And a corporation offered him like a billion dollars to buy the channels from him. And he said, no, no way. It's got to be like 10 billion, 10 to 20 billion. And you seem like that's absurd for like a YouTube channel, right? He's he's just blowing fluff. But then if you equate that to what it costs a, a business for a Super Bowl ad, it's it's like the amount of views he gets, the billions of views that he has, mm-hmm. it values his business at 10 to $20 billion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of crazy to even think of that. Absolutely. He's a very, very smart businessman, you know? being able to uh, push his company the way he has and being able to uh, gain the amount of money the way that he has and to gain the evaluation that he has as well. Um, just like you said, how much does it cost to run a super lad cup, like a couple billion dollars for 30 seconds or something like that? Like, uh, I, I, I want to say... Uh, or a couple hundred million? The views, they get a hundred million views mm-hmm. on average. And I think it is a million dollars or maybe more, maybe one to $5 million per ad. Jesus. I think $5 million was the average. Yeah. So you're basically getting what? 10 to a hundred times that many views right, for yeah. the whole year rather than just 30 seconds. So yeah, I could definitely see it being beneficial to companies who want to get into that space for sure. Paying so that a much billion money. dollars would be a huge discount for yeah. If they were able to get that. Yeah, if they were able to get happening. for a He's billion. not selling anytime soon. No, no, no. He's not stupid. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He makes too much money off of it. But, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good move for Henry Cavill to switch over to um, Superman full-time. He's going to make so much more money working with DC. Mind you, yeah. um, the only reason uh, Witcher has been as good as it has been for these two seasons and possibly three seasons is because Henry Cavill has been making changes on set for what needs to be changed for the character. Uh, for character, we need to remember that because the writers have come out saying, well, this is a rumor at least, that they've come out saying that um, they don't like the source material books and the games, that they want to make their own new material for The Witcher. And Henry Cavill was very strict at making sure everything was sticking Oh, that's not really the way Geralt Geralt would do it. That's not really, you know, the way it's done, you know, in this universe. Right, right. Because it could be a slippery slope. It'll, you'll go away of, uh, what is that? uh, You change one little uh, thing. It's the butterfly effect. It's super popular that, uh, medieval times dragons. Oh, uh, Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You'll go the way of Game of Thrones where, they stopped following the books long ago. And and I think they added two or three seasons afterwards of just making it up. And that's really where it went downhill. Mm -hmm. And everyone was very upset with the way that things were run and how they just kind of started making things up and, and and altering the lives of these characters that had been very carefully planned out already. Yeah. And once you stop, um, once you stop honoring the existence of the source material, you stop being a show that is for the audience of the source material, right? And if the if the writers don't want to honor the source material, cool, make a new show somewhere else about a different fantasy world. You don't have to use the Witcher, Ranch. you know, world to do so. You don't you have to use the right. Witcher IP. Yeah. Let other Especially writers Especially if you're changing the character. Yeah, let other writers come in who do in fact like the world of the Witcher and can write for it. 
you know? Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's more appropriate in like a, a sub genre offshoot of like they're doing now with like the house of dragons from game yes. of thrones. And it's just kind of making it up at this point. Now that's a safe spot to, yeah, to, to make it up because the fans are, will be super loyal to the, you know, what was originally made. So, yeah. you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Agreed. So, and, and then if you are going to make it up, do it on your own platform. Don't do it on the original author, you know, that that became famous. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, you should definitely like if you're going to take the story and write for the original character of that story, you should write in honor of that character and its source material. Right. And then any offshoots, like you said, should be written however you want to write them, you know, honor their absolutely the offshoots, you know, but we'll see. We'll see how season four of the Witcher goes. We'll see if it is going to go downhill like Halo, where it's just kind of like the writers like eh, source material. Never heard of it. Who cares? Yeah. What's her name? Never heard of her. So, yeah. <laughs> so just as we're, we're passing, you know, Halloween, I, I, I'm curious. Do you think there's going to be another uh, Halloween movie? Mike Myers? Like they I think they have. This is supposed to be the last one, right? But how yeah. many of the last ones they have that? Do you think, do you think he's coming like back again? They've had like four last ones already. So who knows? Right. They probably will when they decide they want to re-up on the um, the IP in a couple of years. Because that's what happens every time. You know, they want to add something new to the IP. Usually the one that comes after the last one is just a money grab anyways. Jamie Lee Curtis has said she's not doing any more though. So if there is more. Yeah, it doesn't have to be with her. Right. Well, I feel like she's kind of the heart of it. She's she's the oh sure juxtaposed but... of pure evil. She's the innocent one. But I, also, if you watch this last one, mm-hmm. the fight between them is like it's like watching a geriatric fight. You know, it's it's just elderly people fighting each other. And it's all very slow and and I don't, I don't know that she can handle yeah all the action anymore. Like I, I think that that she's this is her last movie. I think and uh, yeah. Well, that Mike that's Myers what I'm, is old too. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that um, if they do another one, they'll be relaunching the series, right? So it will be a right. new. Um, they may start from the beginning with a new Mike Myers and a new Jamie Lee Curtis playing the same roles. You know. Um, well, they did kind of lay down that groundwork for it in the movie. Like there was a new Mike Myers kind of vibe coming in but mm-hmm. they killed that character off that i just feel like yeah maybe who knows nothing ever to, stays like, dead in the franchise nothing stays dead. also <laughs> yeah yeah again going back to ain't broke don't fix it mm-hmm. like if, if if what's working was working they should just have kept it yeah. instead of trying to make trying to continue the franchise make a new subgenre. yeah which brings me to hocus pocus it took like what 20 hocus years to I think 30, 30 even. years. Jeez, man. It took forever. It came out when did you like it? I, it, it, I, it so the first <laughs> one came out in 89, right? Or 98, 98. First one came out yeah. in 98. So 10 years after I was born, it was well shot in an, uh, and the locations department did wonderful finding all the different locations right. to shoot in Salem and all that stuff. Right. This, however, was shot all in front of a green screen, <laughs> and it was it was okay. It was fine. Um, there, the the shots, I mean, were okay and fine. The movie, I adored it. I I adored it. I thought it was cute for what it was. A uh, Halloween kids what? movie that's great for like little kids. Um, 
but not necessarily for adults who grew up on the first one. You know what I mean? Right. It's a bit nostalgic. It's kind yeah. of nice seeing like, you know, Bette Midler and, and which yeah, looks the exactly girls the same. Kill, dude. They all look exactly the same, yeah. which is crazy. 30 years later, they all look the same. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I felt like the template was exactly the same. You know, how like when you do a first movie and then like a Hangover hangover two hangover three the formula is all the same Mm -hmm. exactly the same the same character structure and the same idea they're both you know searching for someone's beginning it felt like that like it was exactly the same except maybe a little bit more diversified like maybe they actually put uh, an african-american movie this time which you didn't really see much of back then or back in the 90s and yeah the characters were like i don't even know all the different sexes anymore but they're all you know mm-hmm. they're all mm-hmm. d- reflective of our current society so absolutely that was kind of cool to see how it moved and then they had like the cvs thing which was kind of cool too that is like there's a little bit of yeah more that of a was pretty interesting to it uh yeah kathy uh uh kathy najimi she was one that play uh mary sanderson the one that has the uh thing on her lip yeah yeah dude she killed it I don't know. Great representation, by the way. Yeah. I like your your mimicking of it. Yes. She absolutely <laughs> killed this, like, her role. I don't, like, in the first movie, I don't feel like she had enough room to shine. She didn't have a lot of lines. She had some lines, but she was really, like, a background character to Winifred, um, Betty Mid- mm-hmm. uh, Midler. However, in yeah. this one, she had a lot more, like, I'll kill you, and I'll end you and like it was yeah, oh yeah. my god dude it really allowed her to shine and i i loved her character because of it definitely out of all the sisters she she shined the absolute most yeah so there was a little bit more character development than last time and, and i think again this is our common theme for today offshoots and and subgenre like coming around mm-hmm. there's that opportunity built in there by having the young like the flashback to the young girls everyone's saying online it's, it's actually gone viral that the, the picture of the young the young witches can be its whole new thing like there can be a whole backstory to that a whole new series of movies coming out from that right yeah i can um definitely see it be its own thing i know they're talking about making a um tv show ah. uh but i'm not um I'm not sure where any of that is going, to be honest. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Today, though, we are talking about a movie that is going out of style. You got until 11.14 to watch it. Ooh. Uh, that is going to be coming up about, about one week after the, this episode airs. And uh, Ghosts of War, once again, on Netflix. This, I promise, is going to be one of our last films on Netflix for you to watch for now. Yeah. So if you are like us and uh, roll your subscriptions around, uh, get ready to set up a new subscription because we're going to a different platform Any because platform. Uh, Netflix is getting a little stale for us. <laughs> well, Netflix is Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It's, they it's they make a lot of their own content and it's fast. It's, yeah. It's quick. But it's like the... Um, it's like the made for TV movies back in the nineties, the ones that were just yeah. like, you know, you could tell that they're made in like a matter of two weeks. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> not this one. I don't think as much though, but no, no, this one is good. I, I, I enjoy, well, mm, put a quote, mm, asterisk around enjoy. <laughs> it, 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 it struck some down? nerves. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's get into Ghosts of War. Mm-hmm. So the 
I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis so we lay the groundwork on it. Yeah. Five battle-hardened American soldiers assigned to hold a French chateau near the end of World War II. However, they encounter a supernatural enemy far more terrifying than anything seen on the battlefield. I think a pretty accurate setup. We, We start this movie in World War II. And we're following the uh, the perspective of the American soldiers watching this uh, chateau says it lightly. It's a huge mansion. Yeah, it's it's, and, uh, and it's giant. It's it's a, a protected uh, American. It's been taken over by the Americans and they're trying to hold on to it. The, the and they're easiest, relieving this other force. The easiest way I could think of is um, in uh, 48 or uh, eight, mm, 28 days later. Uh, when they uh, when they're running from the zombies and they run into those uh, soldiers that have barricaded that big ass mansion, it looks okay, like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. See, so I interesting you compared it to another movie because my thoughts on how I would describe this movie is a mixture of Saving Private Ryan and Scary Movie. <laughs> Ooh, Saving Private Ryan, Scary Movie, and Call of Duty uh, Zombies. The first one. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not what you think because this movie opens up with a gory scene. So like, you know, act one, we're, we're obviously trying to portray and, and show how these characters live their normal lives. Mm-hmm. And, and they just obliterate these Nazis, right? In the most gory way. So we know in the first five minutes that this is going to be a gory film. It's, it's heavy on... The blood and shooting, right? Yep. And they don't make it a secret. That's kind of the <laughs> even in the synopsis. The, yeah, and that's kind of the feel of it. But then it, it, it kind of twists on you in the first thirty minutes, and that it, you get this surprise that it's not a war movie; it's a gore movie. It's like a, it's a horror movie of like a haunted house, right? So yeah. I'm like, okay, this seems fun. Like we're not. I'm not watching a a, a film, a war film anymore. It's going to be like haunted house that's mm-hmm. kind of fun you yeah. know it's a new situation i've never seen yeah like, soldiers a, put into like a, a ghost yeah kind of scenario. a supernatural situation for soldiers while they're in war in another country it's really interesting like any yeah. any type of uh stuff like that really uh catches my interest uh the new for instance the new season of love death and robots has a episode that is very similar to that and that was very mm-hmm. Like, uh, that caught my attention as well. Just situations that are, um, just outside the norm that right. haven't been exploited by, uh, big media yet that these little India yeah. develop, not India. I wouldn't say it's indie, but smaller, uh, scale, um, uh, 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 uh production teams. Yeah. That it, it's, I, these movies are great popcorn movies. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I love period films. Like I definitely mm-hmm. like you, the two, my two favorite kind of styles of movies, you give me a period piece yeah. or a musical. I'm oh, totally dude, full right. On. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Mama Mia. I can watch that yeah. any day of the week. I don't care any day. This is why we're friends. <laughs> dude. When I was in, <laughs> when I was in Bahrain, I remember walking into the MWR and just hearing dozens of dudes screaming the frozen song as it was yeah, it's, it's <laughs> let musicals it go, are the most manliest thing 
<laughs> At least we tell ourselves. Oh that. yeah, of course, so, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so what what I like though about period films is the, all the detail and, and and attention that they that they give to making accurate period films. Yeah. And so for this movie, it already started to bleed to me because you you kind of get this sense as they're dealing with these ghosts in the house Mm -hmm. there's slip-ups there's things happening that are not period specific yeah for example the movies that they that these soldiers from the 40s talk about were actually made in the 60s and uh uh, one of them one was uh i was a teenage werewolf uh 57 right and so they're supposed to happen in the 44 really i didn't realize that um Oh, right. Okay. 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 Some books that they start re- mm-hmm, referencing. Mm-hmm. I actually looked up the books and they came out in the 60s and 70s. So I'm like, what's going on here? Is this just poor planning? But then you start, you kind of start to get this vibe as they're battling these ghosts in the house. That This is what I love about it, the symbolism and, mm-hmm. and how you know in depth that we can get to this. And uh, as they start battling these ghosts in this house, that that's when we find out that it's not we start questioning their reality, right? Yeah. And they start questioning their reality and, and they're going through and they're trying to leave and they keep, we keep seeing this like repetitive motion. Uh, one specific uh, visualization you keep seeing is this ambulance. They keep walking mm-hmm. past this old ambulance. And uh, I even went back the four times we saw the ambulance. There's a number written on the side of it and numbers the same all the time. Yeah. So as an indication to us that, yeah, we feel like we're not in the reality, right? And they question that as well. Like one of the things they, they questioned is uh, that they hadn't they hadn't taken a crap in like a week or two weeks. Yeah, which isn't normal. That doesn't happen, right? And so we start to find out that there's a slip, and and, and that's when we learn that they're in the simulation. Mm-hmm. And the simulation is like it's supposed to be some kind of therapy for PTSD. Yeah, but the 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 way that uh, they go about finding out they're in the simulation is really fucked though. So one of the characters um, early on ends up slipping out for just a second, right? They come out of the matrix per se. And um, when they come out, uh, they go right back into the matrix. They're only out for a second, but it, they try to tell the people what's going on and it scars him so bad that he ends up, dying in real life yeah in real life like just it it just ends up stop uh stopping his heart and killing him because of how confused and how um shocking it was it broke his brain yeah Yeah. like just just imagine like you're living your everyday life doing what you're doing you wake up and there's doctors surrounding you and you're hooked up to a computer and they're like oh shit you're not supposed to be awake yet go back asleep in your simulated world and you're just like brain explodes How macabre is it, though, that they are forcing them to relive these things as a form of therapy, right? It doesn't, like that's, it doesn't that's make any so... sense to me, dude. Like, and it's, they're not actually reliving that. So if we clarify here, like there's slips, you start seeing slips of like, I started to notice slips of Afghanistan. You start mm-hmm. seeing, yeah. you know, Middle Eastern setups that keep slipping through their brain. So they're actually in the, the Afghanistan war and in they're now their simulation is a that of world war two. So yeah. they're being put in a different time frame, but they're reliving everything. So I just think it's so it's, it's messed up. Yeah. Like I, I get the theory behind it because they um, claim that uh, there is, hold on. I need to find that study, but there, there was a study saying that soldiers, never mind. I don't even want to, I don't want to claim it because I don't want to find it right now. 
But um, I, I just don't understand how putting soldiers in a different scenario from a different time without the memories that they've already gone through is going to help them. Because I, I would just assume that they would get like the same PTSD symptoms if they're put into combat scenarios back in World War II as the soldiers did back in World War II that were put into those combat scenarios, you know? Right. And then, and then they, yeah, you're right. How does it benefit you by taking away your memories of the situation situation uh, that happened in modern uh, current times and then put you in a simulation, get rid of that. And how can you deal with it if you're getting rid of it? Yeah. And if you have the ability to get rid of it, why don't you just get rid of it and take it away? When you wake up, you're just going to like deal with it. Yeah. You're just going to have to learn how to deal with it anyways. And now you're also going to have to learn how to deal with the fact that you're in a simulation with your, uh, for your PTSD. And now you have PTSD from that. So it's just, and then everything you just saw wasn't real. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It it really doesn't make any sense to me. Um, there's a, there's quite a few things about this movie that didn't make any sense to me. I I, I truly think the writer of it, um, was what's also the director of it, uh, a Mr. Eric Bress. He also did Butterfly Effect and Final Destination too. Oh. Um, I I think he tried to tie in, um, some of the mystery that he had in final destination not final destination Two. i'm sorry uh a butterfly effect into this where like um there's like a time loop time of thing they're trying to set up at the end which uh doesn't work by the way it just it just does not work um it they have the guy waking up right towards the end of the movie and um he finds out he's in a simulation do all that good shit and then um he finds out he's in a simulation and then he has to, he says, put me back in. I want to right our wrongs and get us all like save yada, 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 the hero, the hero thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but he goes in and then all of a sudden, boom, he has no memory because they do a memory wipe when they send them in, which again, doesn't make any sense, but whatever. We'll look past that for a second, which just starts the loop and which starts the loop in it, it. But if they're doing a time loop, that doesn't make any effing sense because what about the people on the outside? They're not just going to let them sit in there forever. Well, I, I I think we might be missing a point though, because I think there's a lot of uh, cyclical references that continue throughout the movie. Like for example, anytime they try to leave this, uh, this house, mm-hmm. they end up coming back to it. And then anytime they try to go away, they pass this ambulance. And if you notice every time they pass ambulance, that's the point they turn around and go back. Yeah. And, 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 and it continues even in the house, this repetition of seeing ghosts and dealing with your ghosts that, that you personally have in, in the trauma of uh, having PTSD. And, and it's very cyclical in nature. And, and I think that is part of the healing process because we, both of us, I, I think we can both relate that mm-hmm. we, take one step forward, two steps back. And it's just like, it's this constant back and forth and back and forth. And some days you have good days. I I recall even just before we started the show, you're telling me today was a good day. Yeah. So, which which is great. We, we got to celebrate the good days, but also tomorrow could be a complete, you know, step back. And, uh, and and that's just the way it's, it's very, we, we constantly go around in circles, but we get a little better each time. And maybe that is kind of the way that they're trying to heal that. So they keep, 
it, but it, it also feels like it's i don't know if that's the right way to deal with it because it's like if you're scared of spiders okay throw mm-hmm. them in a room full of spiders like use uh, full I, don't, I don't agree with that Is uh, that, that yeah philosophy. makes you numb to, to it's the issue because but- it, it doesn't work I, I can tell you that from experience i am scared to death of heights i have been in uh, um helicopters super super high up in the air with you know doing military maneuvers and shit i've been up on buildings super high in the air i have been rock climbing i'm still scared to death of heights it has done nothing to solve my fear of heights my heart still pumps i can just you know my military training tells me to who gives a shit what you like do it anyways you know yeah so okay now go to law enforcement there is a sense of immersion though because in the academy it's like their mentality is put you in a very high stress situation over and over again until you learn how to deal with it right mm-hmm. so it's like at first someone is going to be scared when someone shoots a gun in a bed in a room or something they come yeah. in a room start shooting guns at you everyone you know doesn't know what to do but then towards the end you start to learn I got to push through the fear and pull out my gun and respond back and, and start giving commands and, you know, start using the radio to call it in so that I get backup coming in. And that's a hard thing to kind of work through. So maybe is that, are we just wired that way? Like, you know, a soldier that's, that's how they're wired is kind of give them tough love. So maybe that's kind of what their idea is. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Cause there, there are, um, things that I've been told by uh, my therapist about playing video games, specifically like, um war ones not necessarily it to trigger me or anything like that but to help me um like overcome it like not not like call of duty uh multiplayer things i'm talking about like like really interactive storylines of modern day war right and like i've been open to it i've been thinking about it um yeah i think if i am able to do it it'll help me recover i guess gonna hurt i guess yeah i one of the app you know evolution of like vr and stuff there's actually a app now that is a simulation of uh like working on a tarmac at, an, at a commercial airport so you got to do the mm-hmm. the cones and park the airplane and then you got to do the checks on the airplane and everything and it's actually being used in training for american airlines i believe um, nice. it's, it's now part of their training thing to do this simulator. So yeah, maybe there is some, some I, I, I just feel like from my perspective though, it feels like it's a little cruel and it, the, what actually happens to them that they're part of their traumas is just like, it's just so incredibly like messed up. Like it, yeah. it just is, it's such a trigger moment when you start, when they actually like remember the things that they that they have to do. I don't even want to go into detail, but you can watch the movie. You'll see it yourself. Yeah. And it's like, it's an intense moment. That's the moment where you kind of get like a little choked up just watching mm-hmm. the things that they do. And and so the whole, you know, en- environment and their simulation is like, is, is based on that issue of like when, uh, I believe what's the saying is like when uh, you let evil happen, what was it say? Something like, uh, man who who does nothing when evil is happening is is like you know cursed yeah relive that or something or live the evil himself and so that's kind of the idea that's yeah i i i i get that the idea behind the curse confuses me a little bit right because um i get that it's vitrilac vitrilac 
Yeah. Fitcherlack. They all, um, that's something that, um, everybody says throughout the, uh, movie while they're under, uh, um, duress or whatever. Simulation. Simulation. Yeah. Uh, Fitcherlack. It's a, a curse that was laid upon them by, uh, some civilians in the movie, which I just, I don't know. I have a hard, I, you know, I have a hard time seeing how it was their fault. The soldiers fault. Well, because they, they were the ones maybe not directly, but in some form, their superiors were the ones that are responsible entirely for this event that happened. The, the family, uh, the Muslim family was feeding information to the American government mm-hmm. and, the the American soldiers came and were trying to extract them, and that's the time that the uh, like that ISIS comes around and and basically you know takes care of you know stitches get stitches, and the whole family kind of gets wiped out, and the soldiers are forced to just kind of hide in the background, and and they have to deal with the fact that they didn't do anything, but they are responsible for the fact that. ISIS is even there in the first place. Because... But are they though? Because um, and it's uh, it's the Taliban, not uh, ISIS. I uh, ah. Afghanistan's Taliban. But I mean, like, are they responsible? Got because um, the Taliban are pretty evil people, and there's a good argument to say that no matter what, if this family was going to get killed, they're going to get killed. Like they're going to find a reason to kill them, like they do with everybody else. They either get their information out of you or, you know. Well, they wouldn't have a reason if it wasn't so coincidental that every every uh, encounter that this doctor had ended up getting the people killed by the Americans. Yeah. Because he was feeding the information through. It was, it yeah, was sloppy work on, on the American that is definitely sloppy part. work on that uh, CIA dude's part for sure. It's messed up. Yeah. The whole thing's, it's, it's messed up. So... Style wise, for me, I I actually wrote down way before there's any apparent idea that the they're they're not living in reality. Before all the mental things start breaking down and they start questioning where they are, yeah, I had wrote down that I felt that it was not real, and the reason I did that was because the from the beginning of the movie, uh, there's a a uh, artistic style uh, that they chose, which which is really popular nowadays is uh, mm-hmm. movies usually have are, are created with two primary colors. And, and in this case it was blues and oranges. And that's actually a really popular color choice that you see in movies nowadays. If you, if you go back and watch most movies have are, are made with two kind of colors mm-hmm. and that's primarily in, in all the scenes. And this one was blues and oranges and the thing is they were all muted though. So that the, the fact that they did that artistic style to mute those colors and, and specifically the skin tones were muted. Yeah. It showed me that it feels like it's less real. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we, when the human eye sees everything is kind of uh uniform in color and there's no pop of color, it feels less real. And And the same can be true on the opposite side. If we, 
have big pops of color, then things feel very imaginary. Like we feel very sci-fi, like uh, Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah. Big pops of color, flashy. We know that it's something in, in her head yeah. versus reality. And this was kind of the opposite of that, but very subtle. And, and so that kind of was my clue already that there's something up here. And there was also a big, uh, uh, very like a, a black vignette, a vignette, what do you call it? A uh, vignette mm-hmm. on, the, on the outside of the color, which I thought was a interesting stylistic choice as well to have i've never really seen a maybe mad max might have like a, a vignette on the on the outsides of the film uh i don't think interesting to see. i don't think mad max does um they uh it's in hardcore uh it, like brown going with this buddy tones though oh <laughs> what hardcore what brown tones <laughs> like mad max huh. like uh super yeah. hardcore like muted tones and stuff Ah, ah, okay. I thought we were going taking this conversation somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you're so funny. No, I ain't that. This is a a kid-friendly, educated show, okay? And they have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you something. Do you think that the idea of living in a simulation will is 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 something that can work, or do you think like? the mind will catch on to these things like it did in the movie where they start all of a sudden the guy can read Arabic. All of a sudden the guy can read German. All, and he's like, you don't know how to read German. You yeah. don't know how to read like Muslim language. And, and then like, but at first they don't question it. He's just like, yeah, I, all of a sudden I can read German. Okay. It's not a big deal. Like, and then they keep walking past this ambulance over and over again, but it doesn't question anything. Do you think that the, anything it's sustainable long-term in a way that a human might not, catch it or the mind is always going to catch these little tricks i mean it it really depends are we in a simulation now if it is it's so good that we don't know it yeah or are we just uh programmed to not notice the simulation like if somebody for instance let's say we are in a simulation and somebody breaks into our simulation from the outside are they able to see some stuff like whoa that was weird or the fact that maybe um you know there's only a thousand different structure types for people's faces um and we can't notice that everybody looks identical but somebody from the outside like whoa you guys look so similar except your skin is dark and your skin is you know light but the don't structure. you say anything about asians <laughs> they're all in, in, independent and and identifiable individually darn tootin uh, of I'm course just they say saying. the same thing about us <laughs> you know nothing ever good okay. starts or uh, nothing ever good comes from someone starting with i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always it's always it's always, it's always gonna be a mess <laughs> what uh one of the like you know i mentioned i like period films and I, and I pay attention to the period pieces. So I, 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 another issue I started writing down when I'm watching this is, so one of the soldiers jumps on a grenade and becomes injured, right? But he's still alive. And so they're trying to take care of him. And then I thought it was just really weird how some, for the forties, we're talking 1944, mm-hmm. they, last rights. Just hold on a second. How the hell is someone jumping on a grenade supposed to solve them from PTSD? Why would they ever put a wounded disabled vet who's supposed to be recovering from PTSD in a situation where he has to jump on a fucking grenade? 
Well, in real life, did he jump on the grenade? I can't remember from the flashback. No, 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 no. no, no. In real life, uh, he gets blown Be- the fuck up. They all do. Be- because that's what gentlemen did in the 40s. <laughs> we, that's, that, that was a... That's just what Honestly, they <laughs> I, I think it's an ultimate act of hero, heroism. Oh, it is. It is. I completely to agree. To jump on a grenade for your brothers, right? I, I, so, I completely agree. However, this is supposed to be a therapeutic simulation to get them to overcome their PTSD from being blown the fuck up by a very vindictive, salty girl. Let me ask, though, did he died in real life after that? After jumping on the grenade, so do you did think that he? Oh, he did because he uh, got shocked. Yeah, he's he's the one that woke up. Yeah, and and messed up everything in his brain. So, yeah. but do you think he died feeling better, like having to carry the weight of the things that he did in Af- in Afghanistan, and then being able to re- almost kind of like redeem himself in World War II in the simulation? Like, I feel like there might be some sense of redemption there. Well, like I could die with a little bit more sense of, of, of like I accomplished something. Like, I, like I feel like I had a chance to go back and, and right some wrongs, which I, maybe that's what they're trying to allow them to do. Yeah. Or they're, um, yeah, yeah, I get, but for the most part, um, I don't think that the soldiers had any wrongs to be forgiven, right? Not the. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Not because not the soldiers, wars, right? Wars, war. War is a messy thing, mm-hmm. and there's no fair playbook to it, and it's all going to be well horrible. And everything that happens in there is 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 not controllable by any one individual yeah, person. For, well, so what I'm it, saying is like the extraction of um, a civilian operator is top priority when it comes down, right? Uh, a civilian informant, but going in with a squad of five people with no air backup. With, was stupid was stupid with no uh vehicle support with no uh nothing they had nothing it was five dudes or seven dudes something like yeah. that and a cia guy what they didn't even have right. a vehicle with a 50k they didn't have nothing that is not the soldier's fault about what went down they did what they had to do to survive like anybody would it was the cia guy's fault a hundred percent this entire yeah. issue this haunting everything should have been done for the right. cia guy not for the soldiers involved. The soldiers involved are innocent. They're the innocent ones in this whole situation. They're probably picked up randomly. Hey, we need your squad. Come with us. You know, that's right. how much like that's how much stuff that they have to deal with this because they weren't the ones getting the information from this family the whole time. The CIA guy was. And if, yeah, it was definitely his mess. Up. Oh, 100%. He could have got them and out you weeks tell- ago when they requested it. Right. He messed up and he was trying to cover it up by doing like a low profile kind of deal. Yeah. It's just, you know, let's scoop him under the rug and get him out of here really quick. And I can act like I did it a week ago or something. Yeah. And, but doesn't, it doesn't make it any less uh, traumatic for no. the people that experienced it. Like you don't, Absolutely. you don't have to be, have any fault in it, but it's not going to make you live with it any better. Yeah. But I does blemming, uh, yeah, 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 I get that. But for the victims of the incident, is blaming other people and pushing your anger off of what happened onto other people better than blaming those who actively did the wrong against you? I don't know. I just, I just, 
Like, if you're going to be angry at somebody, I don't think be it makes angry a at someone who... Like, yeah, I guess it doesn't make a difference. If you're going to be angry, you're going to be angry. They but. still witnessed it. They still saw it. We had to watch it as an audience. Yeah. It was horrific. It, it it scarred me for life now. And I, now I need a simulation to feel better from it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a it's, it's, up situation, dude. And it was all yeah, too realistic. Yeah. That's the thing that was so messed up That's, about it. It was all too realistic like, of a situation. Why would you pick this movie for me? To, for it's, why would it's you just, watch it's, this movie? It's it. It was all too real of a situation, and it pissed me off. But see, movies that are good evoke emotion out of you, one emotion right. or another. You're not going to get any emotion out of the shitty movie that was boring. You're probably going to fall asleep. You know, that's not an emotion. That's that's yeah. that's being tired. This one invoked true like rage out of me after i got done watching it which then i wanted to see how (laughs) i i want to torment you a little bit why not (laughs) yeah no i mean no you definitely did and uh, i mean we've we've both gone through some things in in life and this definitely triggered me Mm -hmm. even though what i went through was nothing similar to that and i'm sure it was very similar the, because you were actually, you know, in a foreign country and all this is very much more closer to you than it was to me. But even then, it's still like it reminds me of like I had a very close friend in high school and, and he joined the Marines. We did uh, uh, ROTC Marine, the uh, officer mm-hmm. uh, candidate training stuff together. Uh, junior ROTC and, stuff. Uh, but he actually went and followed through with it. And then we became, you know, we talked with each other because we were very close and yeah. he's still was telling me how messed up he was from having to the the first kill he had was a, a nine-year-old boy that had a, had a gun and was running towards them and he yeah. had no other choice. Yeah, sometimes and, and, and you don't have a vivid, choice. All the vivid details that he had, like it still haunts me to this day and they can tell how much of a weight it had on him. So that actually, that dealing with, 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 with my friend, that brought up a lot of that, uh, similarities watching this movie with me yeah. for some reason because there's a lot of interaction with children's mm-hmm. and, and and the idea of how you know you have to protect yourself from everyone and it's like seems counterintuitive to protect yourself from children but at the same time children need to be t- protected too but i don't yeah. know just that that kind of messed with me yeah it, it it definitely messed with me um but uh i did i did thoroughly enjoy it it was a good it was a good horror movie to mind it's a yeah it's a mind it's it's a good it's a good movie for the genre it was trying to go into i just don't wholly agree with everything that they did i i I see what they're trying to do i see they're trying to hit a home run and i feel like they got like an infield double maybe an infield triple but it i feel like it hit yeah you feel like it was a it was it was because it's different. It's so it is different, different it from is what very you see. Different. And you can't guess it. And and as far as if you were rating this as a horror movie, it's a great horror movie yeah. because there's a lot of jump scares and the jump scares are scary. And, and they're, they're and good. They're, there's, they're good. Yeah. And they're, the the ghosts are very gory mm-hmm. and scary. And and if you're rating it as a war movie, it hit as a war movie because yep. who doesn't want to see Nazis getting blown up and being you know killed and everything and 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 that's when you watch a more horror movie uh, a war movie that's what mm-hmm. you want to see and you and get that the for soldiers of modern war like especially afghanistan and iraq you see a lot of similarities a lot of modern day um like this incident that happened is something that can realistically if not already have happened 
you know? Right. So it's, yeah. it's a, it, it's not something that we should shy away from. If anything, we should definitely embrace it, you know, and watch a movie about it. It's yeah. just, and, and it's, you can it's also hard. even take a third perspective on this as a psychological thriller. Yeah. And it still hits on that too, mm-hmm. because you get to whole, solve the whole mystery as to the reality falling apart. And then it, you know, like it, it just seems like it's like happy music. And then all of a sudden it just starts drawing on and on. And the world just kind of starts to warp under your perspective. And yeah. you're just like, what is going on and, here? Why are we falling apart? And, um, all that, all that is done because the cast that they have on this is top fudgy knots, dude. Oh my Lord. So th- we have Brenton, uh, Thwaites, uh, if you guys haven't seen Titans, the new live action um, show, I'm not sure if it's actually still going on. Um, at least one season, maybe two. Um, he played the oh, yeah, showrunner yeah. Uh, Robin, uh, the adult nice. um, version before he turns into uh, Nightwing. Um, then we have. I do want to watch that because my kids watch the cartoons. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good show. Teen, I, teen I, Titans. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. It was pretty good. Um, I the some of the character designs were a little bit, mm, but. All in all, is a pretty good show. Um, Alan Richardson, uh, he is the voice of Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new live action oh. uh, two movies that came out with um, that chick from uh, Transformers, the first movie that everybody was all yeah. Uh, Google, Megan, Megan Fox. Megan Fox, yeah. Uh, then there's uh, Theo Rossi. He's Juice from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, that uh, one dude with the shaved sides of the head dude he kills it everything that i've seen him in since sons of anarchy i've absolutely loved him in i can't wait perfect uh yeah yeah yeah. skyler aston from pitch perfect he's jesse right yep 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 and then billy zane was cal from titanic you know the love interest the super rich dude uh yeah 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 the one that um didn't get the girl in the end (laughs) mm-hmm Um, but yeah, all that, all those guys, they're the soldiers. Um, so there's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Five, five of them. Five. So there's soldiers and yeah, dude, they just, they are, they really sell the horror and the, um, the psychological thrill thriller part of it. They're all, um, raw. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. The whole thing's raw. Yeah. yeah. Raw feeling. And it keeps you on your toes. So I, mm-hmm. I like that one. I, one of the things that, that had caught my eye, though, and which I think I'm leaning this, that's why I'm, I'm more into this movie than you might be, um, was I noticed when, when the guy did get blown up by the grenade, they were reading to him, right? Yeah. And so you'd think 1940s, what are you going to read a soldier? So a Bible, obviously, right? Yeah. No, they're not reading a Bible. They're reading him a, a Robert Henlon book called Between Worlds which is not a book that he wrote. <laughs> hmm. So that's also another clue. But Henlon, if you're not familiar with him, is a uh, science fiction writer. And he's like, he's super pro- prolific writer. It was able to predict like in the 40s, the Manhattan Project before it was even a thing. Jesus. And knew that that this was an eventual, uh, this was an eventual a, a reality for us that we were moving towards and, and so, so prolific in, in, in predicting things that are back then were just sci-fi, like, like yeah. virtual reality simulations, for example. And so I think that this is 
more this this off this writer is paying homage to this idea and and, and maybe it's not so far-fetched maybe it's yeah. something that that seems science fiction for us now but in the future it could be something that is is accepted norm yeah. 50 and years from that's, now that's kind of where i felt this position was sitting from yeah 50 years from now that could be science fact i mean look at uh cell phones they were born yeah. from uh star trek you know the communicators yeah, from star go. trek it's one of the things I noticed too is the, so he's reading him this book from, uh, it's called Between Worlds, which is not, again, not a book that he wrote. So it, there's a clue there that they're not in reality. They're in, in Between Worlds. Yeah. And then they start referencing like aliens, right? So it's like, it's almost like, yeah, I, I, the I first, seem like the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was going to go into an alien direction. I got really concerned. <laughs> but it makes sense because like in the 40s, maybe, the understanding of ghosts and stuff might not be as uh, forthcoming as it is now, as people yeah, say the whole Roswell you know, they, they believe in ghosts. Fresh in so people's mind. So maybe they call them beings, right? We mm-hmm. call them beings, like they're like they're aliens almost, but they're not. That's that's the reference to the spirits. Yeah. And and again, there's this whole symbolism of the spirits that they're battling is just these beings that are in their mind from their PTSD in real life. I love how it all kind of like goes in this big circle in a big loop and in and, and a loop within a loop in a loop. It's almost like mm-hmm. uh loop that, within a loop that, within a loop within a loop. <laughs> exactly. You know, the uh that 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 other mind thriller kind of movie oh, where they're yeah. uh, uh Inception. Yeah, you know. Inception. It's very inception like, but it's done on such a creative level that it doesn't it's not outwardly, you know, showing inception. It's it's yeah. it's it's just it's subtle and mm-hmm. that's sort of kind of what I like about it. Yeah, absolutely. So again, that was um, Ghosts of War. It's on Netflix. Uh, I suggest it. Uh, the uh, veterans in the audience, I suggest it. I really do. Um, it may hit some a little close to the heart. Um, oh, it's going to hit. It's going to hit like a grenade this guy jumped yeah, on. Yeah, if you've never seen combat or whatever, you've never been overseas, you've never been in scenarios, not necessarily like this, but you've like been in a situation where you can see a scenario like this being portrayed, then it may not hit at all, but you know, it's a, it's a good watch. It's a good watch. I, su- I highly suggest it. Yeah. Um, and you got until November 14th to watch yep. it. Otherwise you're going to have to look on a different streaming service, which I don't know where Ghost the hell it's of going. War. Um, and the film of the week, uh, <laughs> this one, I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. I have no idea. It, it came out in 2009 uh my girl has been telling me to watch it for years now and i just i just i kept saying oh yeah you know one day oh yeah yeah, this weekend yeah really i just i just just looked at them i just looked at what you're about to say and i didn't i would not in a million years expect you to say that yeah i just what is the movie of the week the movie of the week this week is the fantastic mr fox it is fantastic fantastic it is absolutely <laughs> fantastic i loved every second of it i loved it from the moment i press play i have no idea why it's taken so i own the movie <laughs> it's i will un- tell you why i'm looking at it, the synopsis right now george clooney and meryl streep that's a winning play yeah. in any movie those two that combination that's gonna hit yeah that, that's a great i don't i, I want to see them in, uh, what movie are they acting in together that's actual movie and not right? like cartoon because that this is gonna be great. it's it's this is great so this uh i'll read you guys this synopsis you can find it on disney plus right now um probably for until disney sells you know whatever uh after 12 years of 
Until Elon Musk buys it, right? Yeah, until Elon Musk comes around and buys that too. <laughs> Just give him a couple of years. Twitter will be uh, profitable and he'll have too much money to know what to do with. Yeah, Especially after this he fired a, everybody. <laughs> this is turning into the sweaty uncle corner. Let me take my shirt off. <laughs> hey, you guys, uh, Thanksgiving's coming early. Time for you to hear me rant. <laughs> Don't get me started about them dairy NFTs. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but uh, here's the fantastic, fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox stop motion on Disney Plus uh, synopsis. After 12 years of buckling bliss, Mr. Fox, George Clooney, breaks a promise to his wife, Meryl Streep, and raids the farms of the human neighbors. I mean, who the hell wouldn't, right? Boogus, Bunce, and Bean. That's the name of the neighbors. Giving into his animal this instinct. Is British. Oh, yeah. British. So British. Boogus, Bunce, and Beans. Boogus, Bunce, and Beans. <laughs> Sounds like a great dish. Yeah. Uh, give me my uh, beans and tots any day. Uh, giving into his animal instincts endangers not only his marriage, but also the lives of his family and big and their their animal friends. When the farmers notice, uh, bleh, when the farmers force Mister Fox and company deep underground, he has to resort to his natural craftiness to rise above the opposition. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. He eats all the animals. <laughs> Meat for days. <laughs> check it out fantastic mr fox on disney plus for now yes and uh we're gonna leave you with ghosts of war on netflix yeah don't be like me thank Watch you so much it. for listening <laughs> we'll see thank you, guys. you so much for listening to this episode of uncovered cinema yes yes yes, uh, yes, yes. look forward to talking to you guys next week we got uh beverly Laughlin, an evening with beverly Laughlin coming uh-huh. out as well and uh who knows and what we're gonna be talking about the evening with beverly Laughlin has the most beautiful beautiful what's his name Craig Robinson. Yes, most beautiful actor Craig Robinson and boy oh boy does he not. It's a great one. You better watch yeah. it this week before it comes out. Just so, watch it. Watch it. Thank you so much. Uh, we love that you love the movies and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, later guys. Mwah.